the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. So we all have to look at what we can do in our own lives um, to, to make the world a better place. Uh, I know that Ben Shapiro has come out and on the Daily Wire, he has said, we are not going to publish the name or the likeness uh, and make this this kid in Florida famous. And uh, we have said that for a long time. We don't use the name uh, on the radio. The Blaze uh, has not had an official policy on that. And I really want an official policy on it, but I want it rooted in 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 things that actually have some backing to it. What really does make a difference if the media would do certain things? Would would that help? Well, there is a guy who has studied this for a long time, Ari Shulman. He is the editor of The New Atlantis, and he has a Wall Street Journal article out, What Mass Killers Want and How to Stop Them. Ari, can you help me design a policy for our media outlet so we don't help mass killers? Uh, Well, I can try. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show, first of all. Uh, yeah, so I've been writing about this issue for a few years, and what I did was I, I just looked into the uh, psychology and criminology research that has been around for about 20 or 25 years um, on mass killings, and I was trying to look at this question of what motivates them. Um, and the answer is that there are, there are a lot of different things that motivate them individually. They all have some sort of grievance. The main commonality is that they all get to a point where they decide that the world is to blame for whatever they are frustrated about in their own lives, and they want to inflict their rage upon the world in a kind of spectacle of theatrical public violence. And one of the commonalities of that is that they feel a sense of frustration and, and impotence that they don't have any control over their lives and they don't have any meaning in their lives. And so this, this act in which they usually intend to die is a way of trying to give their lives a kind of final meaning. And part of that is to create a sort of infamy for themselves and for their action. So there is a wealth of evidence that shows that... Um, Mass killers, especially after Columbine, are obsessed with previous events. A lot of them are obsessed with Columbine. Many of them became obsessed with the Virginia Tech shootings. There becomes this kind of chain uh, of obsessive interest in each other. Uh, The Newtown shooter, for example, actually kept a spreadsheet where he was keeping track of, uh, of all of the mass shootings that had happened and the details on them, which had the highest body counts and so forth. And so there is a lot of evidence that what's happening here is that there are these there's this class of frustrated young men who are essentially trying to one-up each other, to, to outdo each other, uh, and that part of that is their desire to create a, a kind of infamy for themselves uh, in their death. Okay, so you, let's just take this list uh, one by one. You say never publish the shooter's propaganda. Yes. So I think the, the worst example of this would be the Virginia Tech shooting, where the, the shooter, actually minutes before he committed his act, uh, dropped in the mail to NBC News a video that he had created where he was ranting about the world and uh, all of the people who had wronged him and how he was about to get his revenge. Um, I, I think that it is really appropriate to view this as a form of propaganda. Mass shootings in general, I think, can be understood as a form of apolitical terrorism. It's terrorism without any very strong political content, but it is, it is still designed to inflict terror upon society and to target innocent victims. So when you publish that kind of propaganda or manifestos or any of that kind of stuff, the Sutherland Springs shooter left a manifesto, you are allowing them to control the meaning of that event. And what that does is that creates a motive or an incentive for the next shooter to know, well, if I go and 
do a big enough shooting, then I will get to control the meaning of that event, and my words will get out there, and I'll become a kind of anti-hero. And I assume I this. One of the, I assume this. You, you'd be. You'd say the same thing about terror. I mean, you know, actual Islamic Middle Eastern terrorism. Yes, I think that that's right. I mean, I, I've studied uh, mass shootings a little bit more than actual political terrorism. Sure. But that is the the the, the aim of the terrorist is not to. Uh, actually destroy his enemy physically, uh, it's to inflict a kind of psychological triumph um, where the, the victim is, uh, is made to feel powerless in this event, and part of that is, is crafting a kind of narrative around that. And I think that that is a commonality with mass shootings. So hide their names and faces but, uh, uh, is the next one, but I want to jump to this one. Don't report on biography or speculate on motive. That in this particular case, the the biography or the the history of this kid has been extraordinarily valuable to figure out what happened. Yeah. So of all of the things that I wrote in this piece, I wrote this this piece about four years ago. Um, that's the one that I would probably the most want to walk back from now. Um, I think what I would say about that is that there is an excessive. There's often an excessive focus on trying to find out what is the motive for this person. There's always this question. People describe these as this is senseless. There doesn't seem to be a reason that this person killed the, the particular victims that he did. And my answer to that is that the, the motive um, is, it should be understood as kind of self-directed and as a desire to just get, uh, get infamy and notoriety for oneself. When people are asking about motive, they're usually trying to find out, you know, did the, did the particular victims actually wrong the perpetrator in some way? And the whole point of these acts is that the victims didn't even really know the perpetrator. The perpetrator is deliberately trying to, uh, to kill innocent victims. And so I think that there can be an excessive focus on trying to make sense of these acts and kind of in the terms of sort of normal crime where there is, is a deliberate targeting. So I think that's what I was trying to get at with that, uh, with that one. Obviously, in this case, the reporting on his biography has been extremely valuable, so I think I would put a little a little asterisk around that now. The uh, minimize specifics and gory details and kind of the no photos and videos of the event, I think these are kind of explained together that, you know, it, we're not looking for uh, photos and videos that are, are gory or that glorify or show in action the shooters. But, for instance, you know, having pictures of the scene, let's take Las Vegas, I don't even know what the shooter really looked like. I, you know, and we didn't see any videos of him except in the window. Should we, should we have done the videos of the scene as it was, as it was going, but not showing the shooter? What I'll say about this is just that I, I want to recommend that there is a balancing act to be had. Um, I think particularly when you look at past shootings, Columbine is the, is the biggest example of this. I think part of the reason that Columbine had such an outsized influence. And there have been journalists and criminologists who have tracked this and found that probably something like 60 or 70 mass shootings have been directly or indirectly inspired by, by Columbine, where there is a kind of line of obsessive influence from the shooters back to Columbine. I think a lot of that had to do with the imagery that came out of that. So anybody who was you know, around and paying attention to the news reporting at the time, as I was, saw these uh, video camera images, the, the security camera images in the school, um, of the two shooters walking around the school, and it created this this mm-hmm. really iconic imagery of these yes. shooters per, uh, perpetrating this act. So there is obviously a value in reporting on the details of the act. Um, it's you know particularly valuable when people are trying to figure about policy mechanisms for disrupting this. What kind of weapons did they use? How did it all play out? There are still a lot of questions about 
uh, the details of what happened in Las Vegas, for example, there is that value there. The point that I want to make is that there is also a risk in doing that of allowing for the creation of iconography that will go on and inspire future shooters. Yes. Uh, Trying to Ari Shulman of the uh, New Atlantis. He also wrote in the Wall Street Journal about and studied for a long time mass shootings. I have kind of a th- working theory here, Ari. Help, tell me if you can help me along with this. But the Vegas incident is 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 a very strange one when you group it in with all these other mass shootings. And I feel like we almost, in a way, the media was forced into taking your recommendations and essentially yes. experimenting whether they would work or not yes. because we didn't have a motive we, we we didn't have any video of him doing anything and and my my belief is at this point with you could name go back and name the columbine killers and people would have them right off the top of their heads who this guy was in vegas is basically i, I know nothing about him we know it's a terrible incident we know we know generally what happened but he was not made into a celebrity out of that and it's the biggest mass shooting in american history at least in, uh you know going back several decades it, you know it seems like there's almost a test case here to show that your your uh, your ideas here actually work. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, yeah, so again, I, I first started writing about this a few years ago. I've written a few follow-up pieces since, and uh, the biggest thing that I wrote about this was this, this big Wall Street Journal piece, and I would probably write it a little bit differently today. I was very much focused on the, the infamy and sort of celebrity aspect, and um, I was particularly thinking about uh, Columbine, Virginia Tech, uh, Newtown and a bunch of the acts that had had tried to imitate those, where there was very very clear evidence um, that a desire for infamy and celebrity was part of the motivation. Some of the more recent acts, it's less clear. Uh, I think Las Vegas is one of those. Um, the recent shooting in Parkland, it's less clear there. Um, I think the same thing for Sutherland Springs. I can name a few other examples. So, what would I'm you add to, to make- the? What would you add to this list? There's some things that you said I might rethink that. Is there anything you'd add to this list? Um, I don't know that I would that I would add to this exactly. One of the things that I would say is that um, there is a way to get the information out there in a less sensational manner. Uh, so when you look at the at the initial reporting after a mass shooting in the first few days, a, a vast amount of the information turns out to be wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. and the way that we respond to it, part of what I was trying to get at in this is that we have a kind of ritualized response to this where we are essentially becoming good victims. I hate to use that that phrase, but there's a desired psychological response that the mass shooting is supposed to evoke, and part of of my criticism of the obsessive focus that the public has on these events is that it plays into that desire to to kind of become good victims. Uh, One of the things that I emphasized in my original piece is that you, you essentially have this self-perpetuating script or template or story that has been created so that anybody who is angry can go out and follow the script, right? So the thing that we need to, to figure out is either how to decrease the power of that, uh, of that script. And I think part of that is by decreasing the saturation and the sensationalism of the reporting. But another way might be to actually change the script or show ways of breaking it. And I think we are actually maybe seeing something like that happening right now with the way that the Parkland students are responding to the shooting. Um, I don't want to get into to the, the content of what the students are saying. There, a lot of that is, you know, debatable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the interesting thing about it is that they're being very bad victims, right? The way that a victim is supposed to behave and that the public is supposed to behave is to be terrorized, to say this is senseless, to say, you know, we feel helpless and there's nothing that we can do. And so I think one of the things that I found fascinating about the Parkland students' response is that they are not behaving in a way as if they are, are helpless. And I wonder if that may 
turn out to to mm. dampen some of the power of so the script. It's really I, interesting to me because I, I look at it in, in a different way, and I've never thought of it your way, um, and it'll be interesting to watch because I've thought of it as if you if you wanted to make a bunch of victims, then you lose. But if you wanted to uh, forward a movement, you could um, you could count on that happening because of the emotion of it's it's so connected to the emotion and there's so much um uh attention to this now that you know the the shooter whether this was his intention or not and i don't think it was i think he was nuts uh there is action and the country is has stopped because of his deed yes um so i think that there are two different ways that you can see the way that the country is responding as a success or a failure in terms of what this shooter was was attempting to achieve. We, we have about a minute. That we can understand that. Go okay. Um, I think you can say that, it, and to one extent, it's successful because we're all talking about it a lot. To another extent, it's not successful because uh, we aren't responding in the way that we are that we are really supposed to. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, Ari, thank you so much. And um, and when you have you know new thoughts, we would love to hear it. We we want to try to be responsible and do the things that we can instead of just telling everybody else what they can do. Thank you so much, uh, Ari. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. Glenn Beck, the Blaze Radio Network.